What I'm holding in my hand, some of you will know, is a, Arthur, can I have it? Stolen. I'm going to quickly anglicize that into a stolen. <laughs> Not the object of thievery, but it's uh, traditionally become a Christmas baking item. German background. Uh, the <clears throat> information I found out about it was that it, it originated in about 14th century Germany and some enterprising bakers got together and thought, you know, we can maybe capitalize on this. So they started presenting um, this as a, as a Christmas treat. And, and the reason they did is because the way it's made is you take uh, the, the dough and fold it over and then bake it so it sort of rises like this. And, and doesn't that bear an uncanny resemblance to the swaddled baby Jesus? <laughs> Absolutely, this is the swaddled baby Jesus there. So, so you know, and they, they come in different, and, and the, uh, the church immediately made an edict about that, that it couldn't be made with butter or anything sweet. Uh, maybe that was to um, keep the, the greed of the bakers down uh, or, or simply the gluttony of those who would eat them. But uh, that edict uh, eventually weakened and it became uh, a, a source of sweetness. Uh, all kinds of culinary delights have been added over the years and they're very, every bakery probably makes a different one of these. But it's become a, a Christmas treat that you can share at any Christmas celebration and if you get a good one, they're really good. Now, they, they, they struggled to, to, to make you know, a, a biblical connection here in, in medieval times. And, and so um, one, of the, one of the, because they were, I guess they were selling, selling so well, they, they wanted to attach some Christmas, Christian significance to it. So they, so they said, well, you know, one of them anyway was that this also looks a lot like one of the humps on the camels of the, of the three wise men who came to Bethlehem that day. Doesn't it? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. No. You know, you can't, you can't make this stuff up, right? Like that. <laughs> That's, but they, they, try, they tried, but, uh, but by far the dominant image that came was that uh, this was the swaddled baby Jesus, who just happened to be the true bread of life that came down from heaven and has appeared as Mary's firstborn on that day that we celebrate as Christmas. And where this representation in the Bible is found is John chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, I'd appreciate if you turn there. Um, for a, for a much more, for a really a brilliant treatment of this whole passage, John chapter 6, I refer you to the sermon preached last year, a year and a, over a year and a half ago, by Graham Illman. Uh, I couldn't believe it was that long ago as I was looking, looking it up, but he made a brilliant, uh, preached a brilliant sermon, and you can find it online April 24th, 2016. 
I just want to focus on a few pa uh, bits of the passage and uh, a couple items. And, and the, the context of John chapter 6, <clears throat> talking about the bread of life, excuse me, is the feeding of the 5,000, which occurred before, uh, where Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 men and many more with bread that was miraculously multiplied at his hands. And many, if not most, of the people that he was speaking to in John chapter 6 were present at that time and actually ate that miraculously provided for bread. So Jesus says, uh, we're going to start at verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? How do we do this? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe, believe you? What work do you perform? I guess they forgot about the feeding of the 5,000. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And I want to jump there to verse 44. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this, not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And then verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Just going to stop there. Amen. So I'd like to explore with you this morning a bit of this claim of Jesus when he declared in no uncertain terms that I am the bread of life. The bread of life. So two main concepts there. One's bread, one's life, right? So look at bread first. Uh, and pretty simple in Jesus' day and in most of Western civilization to follow. Bread is understood and has been used as a symbol of our daily need for food. The, the sustenance of the physical body, uh, the basic staple of nutrition, that we don't have it, we don't have bread, 
we starve. And the need for bread exists as long as we live, doesn't it? We can't eat a bunch today and then a week later not be hungry. We need it daily. We need this nourishment for our physical bodies on an ongoing basis for as long as we live. So those two, um, those two aspects of it. It's embodied, in, of course, in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Not for a week. And the crowd that Jesus was speaking to was sensitized to this, right? Because they were really hungry, most of them, when Jesus fed them miraculously at that, on the, uh, at that event, the feeding of the 5,000. And that, for some of them, was just a few days before, we think. It's kind of a compilation here. Anyway. Clearly, Jesus, though, is speaking of more than just the physical life. We heard that in the the scriptures that we we read. And there, so bread, we need it daily. We need it to sustain us. Life, uh, what's he meaning? Bread of life, what's he getting at? Well, in the Greek New Testament, there's, Three main words for life that are used. Um, the first is bios, from which we get biology, biography, biochemistry, by all things to do with living things. And so physical life in the natural world, uh, bios, that's what that is. And that's something that we share that level of life and understanding is something that human beings share with all creation, anything that's alive, plants, animals. That's the life, natural life, that the, is referred to with that term in the New Testament. But there's a second word, and it's used far more frequently. That, that bios is only used a handful of times in the, in, the, in the New Testament. The second word is pesuke, which from, from, from that we get the words the word psych, or the prefix psych, so psychology, psychiatry, psychosomatic, and it refers more to the life of the mind and soul, mind, will, and emotions, as you read it in its context. Uh, And it's often translated soul, often translated life. Sometimes it refers just to regular everyday life, but more often it's talking about what makes up our life, what makes up our inner life, what makes us up as human beings, our personality, our passions, our desires, our attitudes. Uh, I thought it was interesting that in Gethsemane, Jesus um, uh, lays down his life, which is his, his pesuke. It's his, his, his emotions, his, his will, his mind. His understanding. He's, he's agonizing through that. That's Jesus laying down his pesuke. And uh, unless we do that, unless we lay down our pesukes, our life, our, our souls, those things that make us who we really are, unless we lay that down, Jesus says, unless we give that up, we're going to lose it. But if we do give it up to Jesus, we gain it in all its fullness. Okay, so that's the second. So we have bios and we have pesuke. The third, uh, the third word, though, uh, 
is what he uses in this passage. And it's used far more frequently and almost exclusively in the Gospel of John. This is the word uh, zoe. And again, while zoe is used uh, from time to time as just your natural everyday life, uh, it almost, it's by far the dominant use is something far greater than that. It transcends uh, physical life. It even transcends our inner soul life. It's a life that transcends this life into eternity. Now, life is more than catering to the needs of our physical body, isn't it? Even, even it's more than just ten, getting our wants. I mean, if, if life was... Uh, life does not consist in the things that we possess, right? Jesus said that. We know that at Christmas time because we can never get what we really want. It never really satisfies us. Even, even giving gifts, it, while it's good, it doesn't really give us all the satisfaction we'd like it for it to, to give us, does it? Life is more than that. And it's possible to be alive, or it's possible to be alive and actually be dead inside. I'm not talking about comas. I'm talking about a waking, walking experience of death. Any of, the, any of you who've uh, experienced depression to any degree uh, will know what I'm talking about. I've experienced it. You can be dead inside in your pasuke and still be alive in your bios. Yet Jesus offers us something more. True life is more than that. So Jesus says, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, eternal zoe. It's the inner life that makes our bios worth living. And the source of all life, physical, emotional, eternal, is, of course, Jesus. He's the author of that. So he says, I am the bread of life. And not just any life. Verse 51 says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Zoe life. Life that stretches again into eternity. And that life, Zoe life, is God's unique life. Right? Uh, now, we, he offers that to us. Psuche life we share with all humanity. Bios life we share with all humanity. But Zoe life we need to accept as a gift from God. We enter. That's his type of life. Eternal life. That's the quality of it. So how do we eat this bread of life? Those who, uh, as we heard again 2,000 years ago, they, they wanted, they asked the same thing. How do we, how do, we do this? How do we, what do we have to do to get this life? And uh, the answer was amazingly simple. The work of God is to believe in him who he has sent. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the true bread of life, the one who when he becomes the object of our trust, 
our faith, will grant us life, physical, emotional, spiritual, abundantly in the here and now and even more into the forever, as he says. And the Bible calls this transaction putting our faith in Jesus and in his words, bowing our souls to his lordship, bowing our lives, our pasuke, who we are, to his lordship. What happens there is a spiritual rebirth. It's called that in John chapter 3, being born again. And that's what it is. Because we receive in return life, Zoe life, a life, a type of life we've never had before, a type, a type of life that only God can offer, and only God um, possesses. And those of us who have experienced this can can attest to it. It's true. This is true. We are truly alive when we were alive but actually dead. No? We, we can see where before we had eyesight, but we're actually blind. Now, that rebirth that, that happens, uh, central to it is the gift of the Holy Spirit given. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Which is... The miraculous, but real, entry into the person, body, soul, and spirit of God himself in the form of spirit. And uh, while we're into mind-blowing things that we can't understand, when the Holy Spirit comes into a believer, he brings the Father and the Son with him into that because of the three-in-one nature of our God. Try and figure that out or not. Maybe just believe it. Because Paul says we can then have those Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's what he calls it. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Jesus, the bread of life, right? The bread of life is alive and well and living in every true believer. How many of you here know that to be true? Now we could show hands, but each one of you is the home of Jesus, the bread of life, if you've believed. And each of us then has been given this gift, again, miraculous gift, of feeding on the bread of life. Our souls and spirits need spiritual food daily, just as much as we need physical food. Our bodies need physical food. And, but we have access to that. We have access to that all the time. Jesus never leaves us. He lives within us. And so... Uh, through his word, you know, through times of uh, just waiting on him in communion, being in his presence, uh, through prayer and answered prayer, through conversations with other Christians that encourage and light up, light up our spirits. Jesus 
is there. Food for our souls. Through song, worship, in our souls, in our spirits, in our hearts. Uh, Jesus is there. Building up our Zoe life. Building that up. And all those practices, we've been talking about them for years now. Um, structuring them into our lives so that our Zoe life would be strong, stronger, that we'd be growing, uh, building, call it a trellis, but building a structure so that we, have, we take advantage of this access we have to the bread of life that sustains us in our daily walk in this world. So we're uniquely equipped for life. We're told that we have everything we need for life and godliness, and that's why we've got the bread of life within us, ready access. But while Jesus is the bread of life for our personal relationship with him, that's not where it ends. Just as Jesus was the bread of life for which we hungered before we believed, he's no less the bread of life to others through us, through you. Jesus is the bread of life. He's in you. He's offering you the opportunity to bring that bread of life. Well, for him to offer that bread of life through you, through me. It came very clear to me recently. Uh, it was during a prayer meeting. and One of the participants began to pray. And all, you know, this doesn't happen to me very often, but I was just overcome with this image as... As my brother was praying, uh, I, just, here, I just saw this image of Jesus standing in front of him and, uh, and breaking bread and offering it to, the, to those of us that were there. And I forget, I couldn't tell you what, at that moment, I couldn't tell you what the words were that were being prayed. I, all I knew was that Jesus was there and he was through my brother, <laughs> offering us the bread of life. And he was feeding his sheep through the, uh, I guess, obedient or through the... All I knew is that my brother was in perfect communion with, with Jesus at that moment. <laughs> and maybe that's what being in the Spirit means. Spirit, Jesus, Father... Being in the Spirit means, or walking in the Spirit. Being in communion so, with Jesus so that as we do what he's prompting us to do, he's able to feed his sheep. Right? That makes sense? believe that's what was happening there. We who are Christians carry Jesus. The true bread of true life. That's what he's saying. The true bread of true life. We heard that in the passage that we were reading. And we carry that with us wherever we go. Jesus doesn't leave us. We carry him with us wherever we go. And those whom the Father is calling to himself, remember the only, you can't, can't come to Jesus unless the Father calls you. But Father is calling. All around us there are people whom the Father's calling. 
And as that occurs, they will recognize the Zoe life of Jesus, the bread of Jesus in us, whether we are aware of it or not sometimes. Some of you will know Patty Duclo, former pastor of Burnaby Christian Fellowship and then later Capilano Christian Community. He tells the story of him leading a team to Uzbekistan shortly after it was freed from the USSR and the collapse of the USSR. And so it was a mission to predominantly Muslim country. And as they were there at the invitation of a small little church there, they... Uh, they had a guide who was a, not a believer, but he, he, uh, he told Patty at one point, uh, later on, he says, you know, uh, my friends and people I know call you the, the bright eyes. The bright eyes. <laughs> that was the rough translation. <laughs> um, and... That's just an example of, of those who do not have life recognizing God's life, Zoe life, in faithful believers. Right. Many of you have similar stories to tell. People you found yourself liking or being attracted to and then finding out later that they were Christians. For me, one of those was my grandmother, and uh, as I was growing up, I wasn't really aware that she had a vital faith in God. I wasn't really a part of our family life. Uh, all I knew was that she had a strength of character that I admired, that I wanted. <laughs> and this was, well, as, and I remember thinking, I want to be like her when I'm her age. Well, I'm a lot closer to her age now than I was then, but I was at that time, a rather seriously wayward youth, and yet I could recognize character that actually I wanted, I desired in my grandmother. Some of you will be aware that the meaning of the name Bethlehem is house of bread. House of bread, that's what the Hebrew name means. Isn't that a remarkable name? Named far before Jesus ever showed up. What a remarkable name for the town where the true bread of heaven was going to come down and be born. House of bread. House of the bread of life. Now today, Bethlehem's a city. I don't know if Derwin Angel got a chance to visit them there, though. They visited the Holy Land, but apparently it's just a busy, dirty, not very attractive city at this point. That's today. Um, we really don't know what Bethlehem was like 2,000 years ago. We have very idyllic images when we sing various Christmas carols. But uh, archaeology gives us educated guesses and seems to indicate that Bethlehem of the time was just an ordinary little town, just, just an ordinary town, just like hundreds of others in that country and area and region. Nothing, nothing remarkable about it, particularly. Nothing. 
And yet, and yet, it became the house of bread, house of the bread of life. Now, when you look around this room, and feel free to do it, what do you see? Dozens of pretty ordinary people. Right? Not many that are remarkable in any great way. If Ben was here, I'd I would uh, point to him, but, but the rest of us were pre are pretty, pretty normal. <laughs> Sorry, Sophie, I couldn't resist. I wasn't going to. I actually, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but pretty ordinary, pretty, pretty unremarkable people around us for the most part. And yet, and yet, you are the home of the living bread of God that came down from heaven. Right? You, we, within our being, carry the very life for which those around us are hungering. Whether we know it or not. Now, this is a time of year for family gatherings, office parties, supposedly festive gatherings of all kinds. But they can be not so much fun, depending on who shows up, right? <laughs> and we who are Christians can often feel pressure to at least be good examples or good influences on uh, our friends and family members, workmates that don't yet know Jesus. Don't yet know how wonderful Jesus is. So these gatherings can be stressful, right? And we, we kind of try our hardest not to at least offend people. Or, and, but usually when we end up doing that is the opposite. We become religious and we come, become even phony. Right? We don't, in our anxiety to do the right thing, we do all the wrong things. And I'd suggest another way. And it's this. Make it your priority before these events happen, if you're a Christian, to choose the better thing, to choose the merry thing, to feed on the bread of life within you. Just Make that your priority. Take some time off. Do that first and foremost. Spend time being restored to the one who loves you and gave himself for you. Remember his love. Remember his acceptance. Remember his forgiveness. Uh, you may even just need a nap. Paul Stevens once told us in a spiritual retreat, you know, the most spiritual thing you and I'm not saying you can do this now. Most spiritual thing you can do, maybe, is just have a nap. Right? Okay, you can if you need it. I'm not going to fight it. The Lord's will be done. <laughs> but after you're restored, after you spend some time as best you can with, with Jesus, the bread of life, then just go and be yourself. Just be who 
You are no more, no less. That's who Jesus loves. Just, just go and be yourself and trust that Jesus within you will be reaching out to those who are the Father's calling. You know, Mother Teresa, we forget this, we think of all the great work she did, the unbelievable things she did, ministering to the lowest, most, the dead and dying of the streets, or the dying at least, the sick and dying on the streets of Calcutta. Uh, bringing them in, washing them, caring for their every need. We forget that their, their way of life, her and the Sisters of Charity, is that, is that the name? Their order, they would spend, I want to say, it might be more than this, but at least four hours in prayer every morning before they ever went out into the streets to try and care for anyone. It was just their daily life of being with Jesus, feeding on the bread of life, so that they were in a place where they could do this impossible thing that they were doing. So just, just remember that. Well, now, ushers, if you could get ready. Thank you very much. We are going to indulge in another great Christmas tradition. And that is the tradition of gift giving. Now, um, if it is possible, we'd like each of you to receive one of these to take home with you. Uh, I've got a hundred. I don't know how many people are here right now. I hope you can all... Uh, my, my wife told me, too many, too many. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, oops, I wasn't going to divulge that. Oh, bad me. Bad me. Anyway, we, uh, I'll just say it, we, uh, I was going to keep us anonymous here, but I've blown that. Anyway, uh, we, uh, we just, lest you think the church has, uh, has gone to an extravagant waste of money in doing this for, uh, for you today, this was something that Carrie and I wanted to do just as a thanksgiving offering for God's goodness to us. So as these are passed out, uh, we're going to have a, a moment or two of silence uh, following it. And I just want you to uh, reflect. Reflect on what the Lord might be saying to you. Uh, for some of you, he's simply calling you to come. Come and spend time. Spend time with me. Remember the sweetness of my fellowship with you. Right? Remember how experience this goodness to just be at peace with God. Right. For others, Jesus might be wanting you to break the bread of life to others, or at least to break the bread of life to others through you. 
There might be someone he puts on your heart that you could give this as a gift to, a neighbor or a a co-worker or a friend, and just say Merry Christmas uh, and pass it on. Whatever the case, these are gifts for you to have and use as you see fit. Just Now we're just going to take a couple of moments of silence just to allow you to uh, reflect on what you've heard, if anything, because you might just want to take a nap. But, any, <laughs> but we'll, we will uh, we'll leave that to you. So just, just reflect on what you've heard, on, on Jesus' words to you today. Merry Christmas.